Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. The fast, as we begin it today, this is our 10th year going into the fast, 10th time fasting as a church. It'll make me 10 years next month being here. And I'm like, wow, I came here with no gray hair. I got gray hair now. And uh, what a journey this has been. And a lot of people looks in at what's going on, and a lot of people really don't know what's even going on here as far as a church. And we got a lot going on for us. I mean, we do two services and many Sundays. I mean, we're, we're bumping over 300 uh, on Sundays. And during the Christmas at the movies, we had uh, three consecutive weeks where the crowd kept getting bigger. And we've never done that before in three consecutive weeks. And each week just topping over 400 and then even our candlelight service. And I know it's not about numbers, but I'm trying to tell you just a little bit what this fast has done. Every year we see growth somewhere. And we've seen big breakthroughs throughout the year because of the fast. Kristen and I, there's been things that didn't happen for two or three years that we continue to bring to God on the fast for our family, for our lives. And we see God do it. Uh, in his time, but we never, never quit doubting, but believed God. And I really believe that this year may be our most significant year is what I'm feeling in my spirit. And last year on the fast, God spoke to me that things would be just completely turn around financially for our church. And I believe that I'm like, you know, it's going to be more than us just having meeting the needs and don't get me wrong. We've done a lot. We give a lot of money away. We do all kinds of things, missions and local and, and we're a blessed church by all means. But God says something significant is going to happen in the finances. And I believe that. And I, I, if you remember last year, I talked to you about God bringing financial breakthrough in the month that it should never came was the month that we began to see financial breakthrough. In July, like we've never seen it. That's supposed to be vacation month. It's for some reason, it sailed in that month, and every month since, has it continually, it sailed. I say that because it's contributed to the fast. Because I know that there's certain things that only happens when you fast. There's only certain things that will ever happen in your family until you begin fasting. There's certain things you're always going to be praying for and struggling in, but until you fast, there's just certain things that does not break until you fast. If you have addiction or an attitude issue or you keep on slipping into just a certain area of your life, you go on a fast, those things begin to break in your life. But fasting shouldn't be just the beginning of the year as we corporately do. It should be part of your worship to God and a lifestyle unto God. And all through Scripture we've seen where people corporately do different types of fasts. But we have broken through cultural barriers for a church. We have broke through religious barriers for a church. There's more barriers for us to begin to break forward in, but there are certain things that people say could never happen in Logan that we are doing, especially when it comes to our groups and a contemporary, contemporary progressive style worship and being accepting and, and just the church absolutely full-fledged loving it. And, and that, this is what this fast does. But fasting, as we know, is a voluntary absence of food in order to deny your flesh and begin to seek after the greater good in the things of God. It's saying no to the soulish desires so that you can grow spiritually in God. Now, today's going to be a little bit shorter message because I want to build off this video. We showed on the night of worship, and we added just a few things to it. And at this time, we're going to go ahead and show you a video this morning.
I tried and prayed for years to have a child, and seemingly God was saying no. But what he was really saying was, wait, I need to lead you to something better. I need to lead you to a healthy marriage, a wonderful man, two beautiful siblings for that kid, and then I can say yes. And now we've got our yes. He is so good and so faithful. This spring, I was experiencing a lot of pain in my left wrist. I couldn't really feel in my fingertips. I couldn't even make a fist or straighten my hand out all the way. Didn't really even have any movement in it. And um, so I went to my regular doctor, and he really didn't know what was going on. And he referred me to another doctor in Huntington. And that doctor said that I had a ganglion cyst on my wrist. And he wanted to make sure that I had one with the MRI. And I got an MRI, and we just prayed and prayed that, like, Nothing would show up and then I would be healed, but I was still experiencing a lot of pain. But we still just kept praying. And so then that doctor got sick and I actually had to be referred to another doctor. And I ended up going to a dermatologist because I could get in faster with him. And I was expecting him to just take it out right then and there. And um, he came in and he was just like, I don't really feel comfortable with taking your cyst out. It's wrapped up in your tendons and I just don't feel comfortable with that. So I ended up going back to my regular doctor and we was just expecting the worst. I was just so upset. And although I even prayed on my way there, I was just still so upset, just expecting the worst. And he came in and he said, well, you don't have a cyst anymore and it didn't even show up on the MRI and I was just in total shock. I didn't even know what to do or say and he gave me a steroid shot and it helped me. I got feeling back in my fingers and although that there's still pain, I can move it and I'm just so thankful for that and I'm glad that I just kept praying and believing and I just want to give God all the glory and all the honor. I wanted to let the world know that God is still in the healing business. You see, back in July, I burnt my eye with the curling iron. As I was curling my hair, it just slipped out on my hands and hit me right in my left eye. And I had three places on my eye. And we began to pray and seek God and believe for my healing, giving him praise and thanksgiving for my healing. And I went back to the doctor two days later, and he said, yes, you did have three spots on your eye. But it's much better now. He said it's as if really that it's never even happened. And I could read the eye chart better then from my left eye than I could even my right eye. And God just miraculously healed me, and I want to give him praise and thanksgiving for that. Early this year, I started having panic attacks. I'd be asleep, wake up in the middle of the night, and not be able to breathe. I'd be sitting still, and my heart rate would just go out of control, be really fast. And through fasting and a lot of prayer, God delivered me from that, and I just want to give him all the praise. About a year ago, I had a CT scan scheduled, and the results came back that I had a tumor on my brain. My immediate response was fear. I was afraid for my future, but was quickly reminded of the God that I serve. He's in control of my future, and He still works miracles. So I reached out to our pastors, my family, my friends, and I asked them to believe with me that that my body was going to experience complete healing. In September of this year, I had another CT scan scheduled, and whenever I went in, the results came back that that tumor was no longer there. The doctors were baffled, but I wasn't because I knew that God was going to take care of me, and I am so grateful for the miracle that took place in my body. December 29th, I ended up in the ER with symptoms of a heart attack, and uh, 
late that night, they ended up sending me to Pikeville Medical Center, where early Monday morning they said that I had had a heart attack, and they were pretty sure I had at least one blockage. Um, they scheduled me for a heart cath um, later on Monday morning. And they took me in, done the heart cath, uh, came in after that and said that everything was completely clear. Uh, there was no heart attack, there, there were no blockages, and I had a clean slate bill of health. Um, nothing was wrong with me, so that was awesome. Um, and I believe that I felt the healing touch of God, that God's hand reached down. Uh, Jesus Christ touched my life, completely healed me, um, because I knew that something wasn't right when I first went in there and um, the diagnosis but through all of that the initial shock and the initial um, uh, them telling me everything um, after that I just had nothing but peace and I knew there were hundreds of prayers going up and I knew that uh, God had touched me and thank you all for lifting me up thank you for uh, seeking God on my behalf because I knew it could be a completely different outcome if it wasn't for the Lord to show you that I really believe that that is just a few things actually God done this year and if we put everything on there it would be an all morning service and a lot of testimonies from groups and all over I believe you have to take a moment and celebrate what God's done amen so one more time let's just celebrate thank God one more time Even with Pastor Sherman, uh, they said through the blood work, EKG, and Logan, he had a heart attack with the Pikeville same testing, heart attack. They were sure that he had a blockage. And he just said, when I was going in for my heart cath, he said, something came over me that just so much peace. I went, that's just the Lord. I mean, we was texting everybody, telling everybody that we could to pray and, and, and message him through Facebook. And we thank you for the prayers on that. But it just some of the things that our God is doing. And I believe that, that God gave us just a taste, really, in 2019 and what he really wants to do in 2020. And I don't say that to pump you up. I'm not going to say that red face, spit, and preaching. I'm saying that really just standing on solid ground, knowing what God's put in my spirit. But I want to talk to you today just for a moment, our 2 Samuel 5, 19 and 20. It says, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Now, David was having success in ministry. And I really believe we've had some success and we've celebrating that. But as he was having success in things, there was new challenges that was coming outside of the inside of the success, trying to bring opposition. 
And any time there is success, we have to understand that the enemy is always going to try to bring some type of challenge in our way that we will not see clearly in our life. And as God worked mightily in David's life to bring about uh, deliverance and overcoming the opposition that was coming against him, we have to understand God's going to do the same thing in our life, no matter what opposition comes, that if we will trust God and and go to God and not give up and not sit there and, and, and live in doubt, but say, you know, I know God, what he's spoken to me. I know what he's going to do in my life. And I'm really believing that we're going to overcome. There's places that our church still needs to go spiritually, and there's places that we still need to go naturally. But if we don't get it where we need to be spiritually, then the natural part will never manifest. So there's some things that God is just waiting for us to push through the opposition to get there to see the manifestation of really what God wants to do supernaturally. Because I believe that God's placed favor upon us, but also there's a realm of greater favor and blessing that he's taken us to. David inquired of the Lord is what he did. When he came to opposition, he said, God, I'm coming to you. What do you want me to do? And God, he, he looked to God for guidance, and he was blessed from it. And of course, God brought deliverance to him because of his dependence upon him. And when we're looking at inquiring of God, we start out the year by going to God. We, I believe that we should always start out everything with God in it. That's why we tithe. The first part's God's, right? And, and then that's why we give God our gifts and our talents. That we are, And that's why we go to church on Sunday. That There should be nothing keeping us home on Sunday, right? Unless work's involved or someone's sick and we just can't get here, we should be in the house of God because we give first things first to God. And then the first part of the year, we dedicate and sanctify it in order for us to seek God so that we give him the first part in order for him to bless the rest. And David inquired of God, and God honored that. And we are just simply, during the next 21 days, inquiring of God. See, really what we need is a breakthrough in 2020. There are certain things that we've not yet overcome. According to Webster Dictionary, a breakthrough is a sudden, dramatic importance of advancement happening, right? That is something that's sudden. I can't tell you how many times God has suddenly done something. That you prayed for years and all of a sudden one day, it's done. You're like, wow, it happened just like that. And like that also in the church. It's like that in the ministry. It's like that on your job, See, we, we see breakthrough all the time. I mean, you can go back through history, man on the moon, right? Satellites in outer space. Now you have the internet, smartphones, social media. It has changed communication forever. All of that was just sudden breakthroughs. Like, wow, I can remember 1995, you had to go to a library at Chattonville Junior High to click and get on the internet just a little bit at a time. And then they would just tell you where to go. And you've seen all these things you had to type out. And it was like forever long. You're like, am I ever going to hit click? And you hit click, and five minutes later, you'd be looking at Martin Luther King. Junior. That was the first thing I looked up, right? Because they told us what to look up. And, and, and so, But now it's just at a click. It's just a moment. You don't even have to go through all the things they told you then. Now you can just go to Google or just type it up in the browser and it goes wherever you want to go. But breakthroughs are not limited to discoveries or innovations. Breakthroughs are being delivered from fear. It's been delivered from anxiety. It's healing in your body. It's healing in your emotions. It's healing from broken relationships that's been 
in your life. These are amazing breakthroughs, right? But in 2 Samuel 5, we see that God gave David a breakthrough. What kind of breakthrough? Well, it said that he came to a place of struggle. And it seemed that the feet was all that was there. But he began to inquire of God. Why? Because it was a God-sized situation that needed God in it. I believe our church this year is facing a God-sized situation and our breakthrough is going to come from a God-sized breakthrough. That our humanity part of us is not going to be able to do it because God likes to do things in seasons where mankind or humanity does not get credit. That's why God did what he did this past year in July. It makes no sense in our minds. But God says, I'll do it. Every breakthrough we've had at the church has happened in a season that it shouldn't have happened in. I can go back and tell you. I mean, we've even had new people during the summer. Then when fall comes, like, man, where are all these people come from? Well, they started coming to summer. You're not supposed to grow in the summer or in January. And, and it's like it's always those are the seasons. And Kristen and I can tell you our whole life has never been the end season. We go to conferences. They said, this is the time. This is going to happen in your church and that. And, and, you know, me and Chris has done this for years. Like, it never happens for us in those seasons. Because God's always showed us that he's the miraculous God that has nothing to do with us. And the more you get into the ministry, the more you get into the kingdom of God and get serious, then the more you realize that there's less of you that needs to be involved and more of God that we need to be dependent upon for his work to be done. See, I want God to take this church and let it be a complete miracle. I want our church not to make sense to society. I don't want our church to be figured out by humanity. I want it to be so big, so much God size, so much miracle happening that no one can say, everybody just has to say, definitely God is all in that. I believe God can do that for families. I believe God can do that with your job. I believe God can do that with your career. See, our church is at the point of having a God size moment. We are facing barriers as a church, as families, as a community that needs a God-sized moment and a God-sized breakthrough. In fact, David gave credit to God this way. This is what David said. He said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. He said he's broken through like this, that he just came suddenly, and it's like it gushed because when God begins to pour it out and brings breakthrough, it's just not a little bit of a leak, but God brings a rushing gate full of water to overtake what's going on. And there's three things that, that I want us to look at this year of what God is going to bring a spiritual breakthrough and a spiritual breakthrough is a moment of clarity. But I want to give you three different things, right? And before we hit those, but the opposite of breakthrough would be what? A dead end. I believe God has more than just a dead end for us. I believe God has more than just a plateau. Well, they've done all they can do. They're just done. I've heard that before. When God's involved, there's not such thing as a plateau of you just coming and arriving and saying, that's it. Usually when you do that, you begin to digress over years. God's not called us to digress. God has called us to be people that progress, right? Often God will use a moment of pain to get our attention to bring breakthrough. And if you've had pain recently, then that's a sign that probably God is wanting to do something significant in your life. And here's my point. Breakthroughs never happened to anyone in the Bible that did not seek God for breakthrough. Breakthrough does not happen for a church that does not seek him. 
that does not put him first. God's looking for a church that's really inquiring of him. That says, God, listen, we don't want to move. We want to be like Moses was. And when he said, God, if you're here, this is where I'm at. But if you're moving, God, then with the cloud, I'm going to go with the cloud. And God is just telling us to go with the move of the Spirit and with the cloud. See, 2020 is our year to see clearly. See, breakthroughs, what do they do? They bring clarity to the whole situation. They bring clarity for us to see more. What we try to do is when our mind's cloudy, and you're like, man, I just need to take a break. I need to rest a little bit. We try to get everything off our mind and begin to zone in what needs to happen. When God brings a breakthrough, there's none of us just trying to clear your mind. It's so evident and so clear there's no smoke that God just makes it clear for you and I. See, breakthrough comes to those that seek God. And in talking about this, we know Matthew 17 lets us know that certain things only happen when we fast. The disciples, man, they cleansed the lepers. They was going around seeing healing and so many great things happened. But they came up on one situation and, and they're like, this is just not happening. This thing, we're stuck here. Jesus goes, does the miracle. Later, Jesus has a teaching moment. Why couldn't we do it? You did it. You commissioned us. We've been healing people and doing miracles and everything by your name. He said, there's some things that it only happens when you fast. He said, this kind. Sometimes churches have this kind. Every year we've had this kind we faced. Your family may have this kind. So don't take it lightly on what you're doing. Isaiah 58 says, fasting undoes heavy burdens. Fasting lets go, uh, lets the oppressed go. Fasting breaks every yoke. Fasting brings forth light. In other words, revelation knowledge, light, and enlightenment, right? Fasting also brings forth healing and provision. John Wesley, when he would do a pastor's convention, he, him and his preachers, they would fast for 10 days just doing water and bread. Like, man, I could eat bread for 10 days. You try it. Challenge you. If that's all you eat for the next 21 days, eat bread. Make sure you check your sugar. Right? Drink water. Try that for 21 days. I remember one time someone looked at my dad and said, that Daniel fast, that's just foolish. That's not fasting because it's just got to be water if you're fasting. He said, well, try it. They tried it. He went, man, that Daniel fast is something to reckon with. Exactly. That's the reason why it's biblical to go. And there's so many different types of fast, whether it's three days or seven days, ten days, one day, even just one meal a day, eating in the afternoon. I mean, there's just so many different ways to fast. When we challenge you to fast, we put out the Daniel thing with the recipes and all that. But also, I mean, there's people doing all liquids. There's people doing one meal a day. After 3 o'clock, they eat just that one meal. And some people, their big meals, breakfast, so they give up. They give up their most meaningful things. Other people that are giving up, I heard, like sugar and chocolate and, and, and uh, bread and caffeine. I mean, you give up caffeine all by itself. It's crazy, right? If you like coffee, I like to have an IV of coffee, strong coffee, brewed coffee, and just hook me up right? I like the taste too, but hook me up. I like, I like what it does, right? It wakes you up. Even the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards preached a grace-filled message that was actually called uh, sinners in the hands of an angry uh, God is what he called it. But he preached that, but before he preached it, and it initiated the first great awakening all through America and all through England, one message. But he went on a 24-hour total fast before. 
I mean, I can show you fasting in the Bible. I can show you fasting even for, since the times, uh, since Scripture has already been written. And people that have seen great things have been people that have fasted and prayed. See, I want my family to be great. There's moments I'm like, man, we're definitely not great. I don't know how it is at y'all's home, but at our home sometimes we're just not having our grandest moments. And I know y'all's like angels float in and out and everything's perfect, but at our home, I mean, there's some times that we just need some Jesus. And, uh, but, you know, I want my family to be break, uh, great. I want my, my church to see the greatest moments that they've ever seen. See, Jesus even said when you fast, talking about having an expectation that we should fast. So 2020, we're going to see these three things. This is what the Lord's speaking to my heart, these three things. We will see revelation knowledge explode in our church. What do you mean by that? Ephesians 1, 17, 18 says that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation is receiving proper counsel of God in your spirit. It's having the right knowledge. It's when God speaks to your spirit, but it begins to illuminate in your mind. And it begins to imprint, in other words, in your soul, your mind. And, and it begins to change direction. You begin to replace religious thoughts with relational thoughts. You begin to uh, give, get freedom uh, scriptures and freedom living and righteous living and being the righteous of Christ type of style of living and no condemnation. And it begins to replace those negative things that have brought you down, the things that have brought anxiety and fear in your life. They've just been replaced. But also God can show you so many deep things in Scripture and it takes you deeper every time you have revelation knowledge. I believe God's wanting to illuminate our spirits and let it impact the way that we walk out what we walk out in faith by what He's given us in revelation knowledge and scripture but it comes with people fasting praying and getting into the word of God that's why our groups are important that you get word in you with other people you you become a disciple right see God's going to illuminate things he's going to burst it forth it's going to be breakthrough to us but he talked about the hope of his calling in this in other words talking about our future God always gives you just enough on the road map and he doesn't give you the full directions, but he gives you just enough. This is eventually going to happen. You stay faithful and you hang on to it, and then you live it out. Then God continues to allow you to grow in the revelation over your own future. See, the Apostle Paul wanted them to know about the power of God and wanted them to not just know about but to experience it. See, before you can ever experience the power of God, you've got to get a revelation knowledge that there's so much more than what you even have right now. I believe in living out what they did in the book of Acts, in the teaching of the apostles. Living out what Jesus commissioned us to live out. Many followers of Christ do not know really or experience the true power of God. And the reason why they've not allowed revelation knowledge to hit them, they've got revelation knowledge of salvation, they've got revelation knowledge of walking out their salvation, but as far as true, deep experience of intimacy with God, they've not yet came there. But Paul, he said, man, I'm declaring and I'm decreeing that you walk in this revelation knowledge and that you're going to walk out this power of the future of your calling that God's got for you. Not only will there be revelation knowledge, but I believe that we're going to see, as we've seen up here, we're going to see a lot more supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. 
God's going to show us a lot more supernatural manifestations of the Spirit. Not only revelation knowledge, but this is the second one. God wants to move in our midst in an incredible way. See, among Pentecostal circles, they, and don't get me wrong, I'm not downplaying that it can happen just like that. But we think everybody's got to be laying in the floor, everybody's got to be running and all that. Listen, a lot of these miracles here happened. We just laid hands on them. They didn't look like much emotions. We left and, and God healed. I mean, we were Brother Sherman at 2 a.m. Listen, you don't feel so much of the Lord at 2 a.m. many times. We prayed. We blessed him. We're here for you. We're staying impactful tonight. You need us. You call. We, we don't want to be in your face all night. But you try to get some rest until the morning, right? And, and it was one of those things. But we prayed. And everybody prayed. Not much emotion from Sherman, us, or the people that came that day. But next thing you know, just a miracle came. Don't get me wrong. There can be emotions, too. There can be the shouting, the running. There can be the going out in the spirit. I believe in all of those things. But also, we have to understand it's just not in the shout. But it's just having faith and believing and preparing and seeking God. And I love all moments in the spirit. I'm so diverse. I've seen it all, I felt like, as far as the church world goes. But I believe there's things in God and the move of His Spirit that I've never seen. That I'm still yet longing to see. See, I think where we mess up sometimes, we think God has to move this way or that way. Listen, as long as God's in the room, I don't care how it looks in the natural eye. See, God wants to bring just... People have been free from just religion. It's such a problem in our area. And people have been free from addiction, right? Or people have been delivered from different things that other people gave up on. And also, God wants to move in supernatural spiritual gifts. He wants to use the spiritual gifts. See, fasting is an emptying of yourself and filling up yourself with the Word of God, which is the meat of God's Word, the bread of life, right? And it's filling ourselves up to where we are spiritually better and we are growing in God. Hunger pains on the fast is just saying, God, I want you. There's been times I've been starved to death on a fast. But you know what? I, I, by me saying no and not giving in, this is what I'm saying. God, I, I want you so much more than that plate of food. I'm going to continue to say no to that, God. Because nothing speaks to us more than food. Listen, I know social media can be addiction. There's so many addictions in life and all that. But when Scripture talks about fasting, and I believe you can fast social media, but fasting is really about intaking food. It's about what you're eating. That's the way the Bible describes it, just biblically. And I believe you can fast so many things and not Netflix binge and all that. But when you begin to give up your favorite foods or you begin to miss meals, or you go on a totally different type of fast and you're eating things that you've never eaten just to get by, and that's what you do on a fast. You just, if you're doing a Daniel fast, eventually after about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten days, you're so sick of it, you don't want to look at it, but you just eat it to just get it over with and you keep going and you're not giving in to all the things you want. You're putting the soul, the flesh under subjection so that the spirit can grow. And you're saying it the whole time is, God, I want you more than I want anything in this world. I believe that's where we're at as a church. We just want him. We're desperate for him. It says in Psalm 145 and 18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. God's near us right now. This is a journey, 21 days. I believe he was near me before I came into the vast, but I'm really calling upon him now. That lets me know that he is near me, even though I don't feel him. See, it's not about your feelings today. It's not about how you feel in your flesh. If you always say, I feel God, and I feel this, and I feel that, listen, 
you, you, before you know it, a fast, if you're all about feelings, you'll be feeling a steak. You'll be feeling some cake, right? And so many people live off feelings. But it's really about what you know, and it's about faith, and it's about serving God and doing what's right. God's not wanting you to try to impress him. That's not what fasting is. I don't show God. I can go 21 days. I'm tough. God's not looking for you to impress him. You can't impress God. He knows your humanity. He knows you're full of flaws. He knows you're always going to be a work in progress while you're in the earth. But God is simply this. He's wanting you, the real you, the genuine you. God's looking for the genuine heart that says, God, I want you more than I want this world. I want you more than what my flesh desires, says. God, I'm willing to give up whatever it is to get deeper in you and be filled with your spirit and to be used supernaturally of you, just not on Sunday morning, God, but God, use me on my job. Use me when I'm in the grocery store in the marketplace. God, use me to the people that don't even know who I am. And God also used me to all those who know me that may doubt who I am. God, let my words be weighty. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. During this fast, you're going to be giving certain things to God. Chris and I always discuss what we're going to be praying about on the fast and what we're going to be doing. And what we're doing as a family. What's God's heart for our family? Because God's got a heart for our family. And when you begin to delight yourself in God, God gives you desires in your heart of what you need to pray, how you need to live, the direction you need to go. God, next thing you know, you're praying God-sized prayers. You're praying prayers that it's only going to take God. Anybody can pray a prayer. God, I hope I take the next step. I'm there. God's wanting you to pray God-sized things. But not things out of your arrogance or pride, but things that he's placed in your heart and he spoke to you out of the direction and the assignment of your life. Let your life be supernatural. 2020 brings us a place of clarity. So not only revelation knowledge is going to burst, not only is the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit and however it takes place. Listen, it may take place in life groups. I'm not jealous if your life group church is better than church on Sunday. I hope it is. I applaud it. I might bring that in here. I'm serious. I just want God to move no matter where it's at. Whether it's a Sunday school class, whether it's a, a, a life group, whether it's Sunday evening prayer when they meet here. They do marches around here. They're declaring all the freedom we're having is Paul's. There's people covering everything we do in prayer. And then lastly today is that we will see the harvest as Jesus sees the harvest. I believe God's going to give us a new vision for the harvest. Like you've seen 96 souls saved this past year. God's got so much more than that. I believe we need to begin to see the harvest as Jesus sees the harvest. I don't care what their past is. I'm not worried about their past. I don't care what their current condition is. I don't even care what they posted this morning on Facebook. I don't care their political stance. Bring me every liberal. Bring me every immoral. Bring me everything that anybody would call any name, tag, or whatever. Bring me every conservative Bring me the harvest. They don't know Jesus. Bring them. Because Jesus don't look at liberals and conservatives and all those things. He sees the harvest. 
He doesn't see all the things that mess us up in this world. He sees people that need Him, His creation. Let us see that harvest. I pray that God gives us opportunities in this year. That's my prayer. God, give us opportunities, oh God, to see them as you see them. But God, that had the words of wisdom and knowledge and spiritual revelation that speak to them that when we speak, heavy conviction hits their hearts that they see your compassion through us and feel the anointing and conviction through the words that we speak. God, give me those opportunities. That is supernatural. It shakes me to talk about the harvest. Shakes me to think there's people looking at them like they're an alien. When God says, that was you. Such were some of you. Until you were blood bought and redeemed and your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. Yes, some of you was in adultery. Some of you may have been bisexual or homosexual. Some of you may have been in a place of drugs or addiction. Maybe it was some of you. That's where we're at. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 11 to 30, He who wins souls wise. Do we want to be a wise church? Or do we just want to be church? I want to be the most wise church. I want to be a church that sees the harvest as Jesus sees it. That never gives up. You see, God never gave up on me and never gave up on you. In our flesh, there's times we just tap out and we say we give up and all that, but God never gives up and it's deeper when it comes to the great commission than a Sunday morning worship experience really most of the people that we are seeing saved are people that has been invited three and four and five times you're inviting them it's people that came through a group first then came to church they're like man church can be this cool and this much fun yeah you mean I joined a cooking class and they was talking about the Bible and they're all living for God speaking things praying over my needs in my life yeah Next thing you know, like, I want to be part of that church that's living in and out. A lot of times, whether we realize it or not, there's more one-on-one before they ever get here and give their heart to God. And a lot of times they're already praying and asking God in their heart before they ever come here to pray. It says in John 4, 34 and 35, they'll come to the music today. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are four months... Yet four months, then the harvest, the harvest is going to come then. He said, look, I tell you, lift up, your, lift up your eyes and see the fields, for they are white for the harvest. Jesus said, listen, my food, my satisfaction, what feeds me is to do the will of the Father. There's no greater will of the Father that the church can do than winning the harvest and discipling them. That's what the Great Commission is, is winning the loss and raising up disciples. Jesus said, do not say there's four months. See, this is like a proverb. They would always give the idea. The reason why Jesus said this is because there was a no particular hurry for the task to take place. And he was speaking of harvest. And Jesus said, don't you look out at the natural harvest as they do. 
and say, no, there's no hurry. It's going to come when it comes. We've got plenty of time. It's just going to happen. He said, no, 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 no. He said, don't say that. We don't have four months. He said, the harvest is now. See, the church does this. We'll wait until Easter. We'll wait until Christmas. We'll wait. You know, we got a little bit later to wait, right? To get serious about this soul winning thing and inviting people to church and really serious about groups. God is saying it's now. That's what God's saying. The harvest is now. We need an attitude and we're not waiting till tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.